0: Hey everybody, thanks for joining us today. Waters Church exists to see people's lives changed in the name of Jesus. And if you'd like to be a part of that life change that happens here every week, both in person and online, you can partner with us financially. Just go to waterschurch.org give and select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us and we hope that you enjoy today's message. same without you it wasn't what it could have been before you got here when you weren't here you were on our minds the fact is many people gave served and worked really hard because you weren't yet here I know this is confusing but follow me for a minute there was a time when you weren't here there was a life you wanted and then there was the life you got the unexpected loss pain or grief the heartbreak experience or maybe it was an addiction, a secret issue, or an emptiness in your life. Something happened that opened your heart to come to church. And then perhaps it was someone, a friend, a co-worker, a family member. They thought you were worth inviting. Do you remember them? Did you ever thank them? Or maybe you saw a commercial. Someone helped make that happen so that you would make it here someone intentionally believed you needed to hear about a place where you could find hope in Jesus. Think about it for a second. Because if you're a Christian and going to heaven one day, that's kind of a big deal. Someone was here before you and loved you enough to invite you and now you're here. But let's be clear. You aren't the end of this story. God saw fit to bring you in so he could send you out. Because the moment Jesus saves you, he sends you. For other people people just like you and people unlike you you're not here for yourself you're not here for your comfort you're not here for your own personal glory if you've been saved by jesus you've joined the most important movement in the history of the world and we're so glad you're here but you're not just going to sit there are you because that's boring You're here. You're part of the team now. You've been brought in to help us reach more people just like someone once reached you. Because Christians do not go to church. Christians are the church. And we are here for those who are not yet here.
1: I don't know about you, but I was glad that there was a chair for me. And there was at one point, I mean, I know I was born in the church, raised in the church, but my parents had me sitting in church every single Sunday morning. And for the most part, I didn't really want to be there. It was kind of boring to me. We didn't have a nice fancy church like this. And I didn't want to be there much, but you know what, eventually it took and I was changed by the church. I am who I am because of the church of Jesus Christ. Everything that I have that's good comes from the church. I got my wife in the church. Hallelujah. You want to get yourself a good wife, you go to the church. Don't go to the bar, you go to the church. Hallelujah. I got my kids in this church. I got, I got my family in this church. People, my best friends are in this church. My best friends in life. People that I can tell my nonsense to. Do you have anybody in your life that you can tell your nonsense to? I hope you do, because if you don't, you will be struggling until Jesus comes again. But you need somebody that you can just say, hey, listen, you know that person that you think I am? Well, that's not really who I am sometimes. And I I need you to be available to hear that. I love the church of Jesus Christ, and I love the fact that we have a church where people can come as they are. Can I get a good amen for that? And we're starting a a new series that's centered on this chair, this empty chair. Because we are here for those who are not yet here. This is our series, Not Yet Here. Four parts, unpacking a motto that is the lifeline of Waters Church. If you want to understand us, if you want to know what this church is about, if this is your first time in our church, you have picked the perfect weekend to come. Because for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack the mission of our church, what we tell everybody who volunteers and serves here, what we repeat from the pulpit and from class in our classes and, 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 and in our uh, discipleship and in our small groups, this is the theme of Waters Church and It's called our motto, really, it is our motto. We have a big sign of it up in our volunteer area to remind us every single week why we exist. Why is Waters Church here in this place? And so here's the motto, I wanna put it up on the screen. Again, we just said it, but I wanna put it up on the screen so it gets in your mind, and if you've got your bulletin, take it out in the bulletin. There is a note page, take out the note page. Hey, I'm gonna even challenge the people who don't usually take notes to take notes today. I want you to fill in the blanks. I want you to follow along. Here's what our motto is. We are here for those who are not yet here. So I want you to say this with me on the count of three. And I did this last night with the Saturday night crowd, and they came through big time. And I want to see if you're better than the Saturday night crew. I think you are. You might be here's your chance to prove it, I don't want to have to say at the end of this one time to say to you, okay, try that again because we could do better than that. I don't want to do that. I want to see is on the first time can we get this so full in this audience that that's it. We have settled it. All right? Do you think we can do it? Yeah. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. One, two, three. We are... Saturday night was better. Okay, anyway, uh, no, (laughs) that was really, really good. That was really, really good. We are here for those who are not yet here. And we're going to pack this motto four weeks one part of that phrase at a time. So we are here this week for those next week who are not the third week yet here last week. Why are we doing this series? Well, like I just said to you, uh, we're sending many people from this place right now into two new cities one in Rhode Island, one in Massachusetts, to start two new campuses of Waters Church. And I want to let you know something. We're sending some really good people. Some people that you see on stage playing these instruments are going and singing these songs. They're going. Some people that you see at the cafe, they're going. Some people who seat you here, they're going. Some people who work at our Waters Kids area, they are going. And I got to be honest with you, we're a bit nervous. Because these are our 18 people, man. They are awesome. But but here's what I think: we're creating a big gap at Waters Church North Attleboro. When I read my Bible, I know that God always fills the gaps. What I'm saying is, when we create a need, God fills it. Sometimes you never create a need for God to show up in your life because you got all that you need already. And you need to start giving stuff away and sending stuff out so you can watch God pour back into what you have emptied out. See, that, that works not just for you and your finances and in your giving to water. church. That also applies to us as a body of Christ, as a church. I think a church should have babies on a regular basis. So we're having twins on the same day. Now, here's what I do. I tell other pastors that we're starting two, not one, two churches on the same day. And every single pastor that I have told that to looks at me and says, <laughs> <laughs> they think we're crazy. They think we're nuts. It's hard enough to start one. We're starting two. But I believe that God can come through. Amen. Amen. God has more than enough, and there are people right here, right now, you have yet to start serving, yet to start giving, yet to start being here for those who are not yet here, and when this gap is created, I believe supernaturally the Holy Spirit is going to ignite your heart, and you're going to jump in with both feet, and you, yes, You are gonna be better than the people we sent out to start these campuses, because God always has enough for his people. Thank you over here for the proper response to that part of my message. Some of the Woonsocket team and Milford team are like, they're not gonna be better than us, what's up with that? No, it's just how it works, it's just how it works. That's how I've seen it happen in this church. And let me tell you, just opening my heart for you for a moment, my wife and I have been through several bad seasons in this church, several bad seasons, because churches are like your life, ups and downs. And what I mean by bad season, we've watched people walk out the door, good people, walk out the door, upset with this, upset with that. We don't like this. We don't like that. <laughs> and they go out the door. And we're like, what are we going to, what are we going to, oh my, what are we going to, and, and, and while we're panicking, God is like, I've got somebody better to replace them. And it's just, that's how God works. I'm, I'm telling you, put, put, put a lie detector test on me right now. I'm telling you the truth all right i'm telling you the truth it has happened over and over and over and over. and just when we lose someone i think i can't live without them god is like i just wanted to take them out of the way so that you would see the better option behind them hallelujah thank you jesus that's how god works in his church and that's how god will work in your life never ever get despondent and discouraged When friends and family leave you as you choose to follow Christ, because Christ sees it and He will reward it with better people who will be closer to you than family, who will love you better than your former friends, and who will be real with you and will bring life to you because God always has enough for His people. Part one We are here. We are here. I don't know about you, but I love being here. I thank God for here. Like here, here, you and I, here, H-E-A-R, from God. Here we get loved, here we get accepted, here we get built up, here We get prayed for. Here, we can lay our burdens at the foot of the cross and not pick them up again so that when we go out there, we are freer than when we first walked in here. I love being here. It's my my favorite time of the week is to be with you. We, We weren't here much, Cheryl and I, we weren't here much for July. Worst July ever. We love being here. We love being in the house of God. We love being with you people engaged in the body of Christ. Nothing is better than being in a life-giving church. Can I get a good amen? Amen. And a life-giving church is a church where people realize that it's not all about them. The reason why your former church sucked the life out of you is because somebody determined that that church existed for their preferences and their pleasures. They wanted the music their way. They wanted the preaching their way. They wanted the chairs hard and wooden <laughs> so that you weren't too comfy in those chairs because that's what hell's going to be like. So get saved and come to Jesus, and hopefully, you will not be in hell sitting in pews. Anyway. Somebody in that church decided that they were going to make that church about them. Their family was going to get preferential treatment. Their wife was going to get doted over. Their husband was going to be the main event or whatever it was. And because they decided to make the church about themselves, they had to suck the life out of you. And a life-giving church is where somebody, not somebody, everybody says, yeah, I come to church and I get a lot, but I give. Amen. And no, I don't like everything Waters Church does. And I don't expect you to, by the way. You don't have to like everything. We like to think of it as like it's like a smorgasbord. So, you know, you don't go to a smorgasbord and eat everything on that buffet table, right? Amen. You pick and choose. So, you know, some things, yeah, I get it. Some, some of you people are going to have to just be like, I don't want to watch that right now. So just ignore that part and take the part you like. You can't do that with the scriptures, but you can do that with everything else, right? You can do that with everything else we do, but you don't have to like everything. People, sometimes they don't like what we do on the stage. It's like, I don't like that. That's not churchy. I don't like that. Just ignore it. Like it lasts like two minutes. Just ignore it. Just be like, oh. and then when the worship starts again, you just be like, Hallelujah. Okay? And, and, and some of you don't you know, like, the, like the, the, uh, the, the movie thing. Oh, the movie thing. That's a no compromise, a no compromise. Blah, blah, blah. Jesus wouldn't do that. I know, but Jesus wouldn't drive a car either. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't go swimming at the YMCA. All right, doesn't mean you don't do it. Okay, so we just do those things because we are here for those who are not yet here. By the way, that was free advertising. You people all snap pictures of yourself at the jail cell and with the characters and all that stuff. And you post it on social media to prove to everybody else that you have a better life than them. Amen. And we use that to make sure your friends knew where you were on Sunday so that maybe there'd be another touch and they'd look us up and they'd come eventually to Waters Church. I love being here. And I hope you do too. How did we get here? Matthew chapter 22. If you will stand with me as we read from God's word. This powerful parable of the wedding banquet. First one. And again Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, what we are a part of, may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. But they would not come. Again, he sent servants, other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Hear the heart of God. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. And the king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. But those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. I love that phrase. Invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him out into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Father, thank you for your word. Quicken our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear it. Help me to speak it as you see fit. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And as we always pray, may we see Jesus and him only. In his mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Have a seat. Where were you... Thirty-six years ago yesterday, do you remember? (laughs) It's a strange question to ask in church. I know some of you weren't born. You're called millennials. But believe it or not, the world was still going on before you got here. Thirty-six years ago yesterday, there was a wedding. It was the wedding of the century. More people watched this wedding than any other wedding ever. Now you're starting to think about it and know. I see the head starting to nod. The wives, nudging. I see it. The wedding of who? Diana. Diana. Isn't that funny how we start with Diana? She wasn't even the royal line. But we start with Diana because she was so larger than life. Prince Charles marries... Lady Diana Spencer. July 29th, 1981. Now do you remember where you were? Yeah, I remember where I was. and I was only four years old. I got up that morning like any other morning. and It's like the only day out of my entire fourth year of life that I remember. I got down to the living room and there was my grandmother, my sweet old grandmother, pastor's wife grandmother, sitting in front of the television set, tears streaming down her face. And I'm like, this is odd. I mean, my grandmother's favorite television show was Three's Company, and it was too early in the morning to watch Three's Company. How many liked that show, by the way? That was so fun. Anyway, she was crying in front of the TV, I was like, what's going on? And there it was, the royal wedding. To this day, it's one of my earliest memories as a child that morning. Why do I share this? Because there's something spectacular about a royal wedding. There's something in the human heart that wants the two to get together. Wants the prince to save the princess. Every, almost every stinking Disney movie ends this way. There's a wedding, and they lived happily ever after for 11 years, in this case, and not very happy either, but we long for a wedding. Some of you have been to good weddings already this year. You ever been to a good wedding? Like a really good wedding? And you just walk out, you're like, that was awesome. It was so much fun. And you went, you you, you partied, and maybe you drank a little bit too much, and before you knew it, you were doing a macarena like a moron. You know what I'm saying? And you were just like, oh great. You walk out the door, you're like, oh, that was so good. Best wedding ever. Ah! You know, that's like there's something about weddings we like. Well, Jesus describes the kingdom of God that way. I think about that. He does not describe the kingdom of God like a funeral procession. But if you go to some churches and you talk to some Christians, it's almost like they missed the memo miserable upset mad at the world angry all the time looking down their noses holier than thou they're miserable people they haven't read what jesus talked about when jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven and said it's gonna be fun it's a feast and you're gonna love it come and see hear the heart of God in this passage to unpack what God has been after since the dawn of time. He wants people to come home to himself and celebrate. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a wedding feast that a king threw for his son. That's what church should be like. A taste test of the celebration we will have for eternity. So that when other people see us, they see joy and not judgmentality. They see hope and not heaviness. They see, they see an attitude of positivity and not an attitude of despair. Because we know there's a feast coming and it's going to blow us all away. So the servants go out and they invite and people ignore. And, God, and Jesus is doing something fantastic. He's talking to the religious leaders in the temple. This is a week before he dies on the cross and is raised to life. And they've ignored him and they can't stand him. And what he's selling they ain't buying. In spite of the miracles and the resurrections and the healings and the food provided for the thousands. They don't want anything to do with this upstart prophet from Nazareth. And he's unpacking the Old Testament basically letting them have it and telling them that they're no better than their ancestors. God's been trying to get you to come home. And he used prophets like Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah And Ezekiel and Zechariah and Malachi and Haggai and Habakkuk. And he used these guys to wake you up and bring you home and stop worshiping the trees. and Stop worshiping the grass and stop worshiping at the shrine prostitute temples. Stop, Stop being like all the other nations and start being like what you are, a holy people that belong to the God of the universe. Come home and they ignored them. For centuries, they ignored them, and then they grew hostile to them, and they killed them, and they threw them in cisterns, and they chopped their heads off, and they wiped them out, and Jesus is saying, you were originally invited, but because you rejected it, I'm going to tell you, God, my Father, is going to use your rejection to expand the invitation to all the nations, so that no matter what color, what creed, what background you come from, you can come into the family of the living God to the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son. And I love that. Because it teaches me that God can even use the rejection of others for the acceptance of you. Don't tell me that He can't use how other people have rejected you for your good. If anybody is here and struggling with rejection, you will have got nothing on God. (laughs) He's been more rejected than any other being on the planet. And what does he do with his rejection? He just says, okay, fine. You don't want anything to do with me? I'm just going to go over these people. And so the servants expand and they go out to the roads and they find anybody that they can find. And three times in this passage, God sends people to get people. So how did we get here? Number one, God sent someone to invite us here think about it. Who was it for you? A neighbor? A coworker, A husband? A wife? Who got you here? You say, well, I saw a commercial. Somebody made that commercial on purpose with you in mind. You, you know... Um, There's something powerful about having people think about us. Think of us. And the reason why you're sitting where you are right now is because someone thought it would be good for you to be here. They wanted good for you. They didn't want to take from you. They wanted good for you. And so, how many, this is your story, they bugged you. They pleaded with you, and you rejected them again and again. And they wouldn't relent. They were like like that little dog that nips at your ankles until you pet him. You gotta come to my church, you gotta come to my church. You'd be talking about, I don't know, you'd be talking about pizza. And all of a sudden, oh, you know who has the best pizza. That pizza place by my church. You gotta come to my church, by the way, by the way. You know, they were just always angry. So you gotta come, you gotta come, you gotta, and then eventually, after 17 rejections, you said, Yes. Maybe that was your story. Maybe you just came because an accident, a loss, a problem, and for the first time in your life, you said, Maybe I should go to church. Someone came and got you. And I want to let you know that someone was sent by God. That's powerful. That's powerful to be thought of by someone sent by God. You were on someone's mind. You were always on my mind. (laughs) Do you know that the pharmacy has a whole section of cards that's filed under the category, thinking of you? Really incredible that there's a whole, like, industry of greeting cards dedicated to letting people know, I'm thinking of you. It's powerful to be on someone's mind. I got news for every person sitting here at some point before you got here, you were on someone's mind. So this requires two things there. If you take your notes out, you'll see someone... Okay, let's put this up first. Someone thought, or I say someone number 1B. I don't even have it here. Skip ahead here. Put it on the screen under number 1. Someone thought, someone cared enough. There we go. Someone cared enough to listen to God and invite you. Isn't that powerful? Someone cared enough to listen to some preacher yell at them and say go invite somebody, and they, all right, and they did it. Secondly, someone, or many people, worked hard to make this moment work for you. Do you know that it takes 200 people every weekend to make Waters Church have services every weekend? 200 people, 200 unpaid people, I mean, these people do not get money for doing it. The greeters at the parking lot. The people watching your kids. 65 people watch and teach your kids every single weekend. 65 people love helping your children meet Jesus. Has anyone here met children They're not always easy. They don't pay attention. I love preaching to you. I can't stand preaching to kids. I've tried. (laughs) You people stay quiet. I need to get you to react sometimes. The kids are just like "Ah, ah, 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 ah," While you're trying to be serious, and then Jesus died. I gotta go poopy. Like, oh gosh, what do I do with it? I don't know how to teach kids, but they do, and they do a dynamic job teaching your children about Jesus. I've said this before. You think we're babysitting your kids? No. I'm babysitting you so we can teach your kids. (laughs) Consider yourself babysat today. Somebody says, what happened to you today? I got babysat by my pastor. That's weird. What church do you go to? Come and see. (laughs) It takes a lot of work. Our worship ministry, the singing and music, the band, they don't wing it. Some of you don't get this. Some of you think, oh, they just get up there. They don't do that. They work. And we have high standards for them. Any musicians in the audience know what's missing up here? Anybody, when our musicians play, anybody see what's missing? Yes, sheet music. They don't read notes while they play to you. Guess what that means? They memorize the music. Every week, they memorize the music before they go to practice. And then they rehearse. And they do this every week for you don't always want to do it. Sometimes we have to, they have a thing and they have to cancel the thing and they have to make sure that they work things around so that they can get up here and work. And they practice long on Thursday and long on Saturday and they're here the entire weekend. And at the end of the weekend, you know what they say? That was great. (laughs) They love doing it because they love you. And the same goes for our children And our parking, do you know how much planning goes into the parking ministry? They plan for that. They plan and they smile. Did you get smiled at by a parking attendant today? Raise your hand if you got smiled at. Can I ask you, did you smile back? Okay, good. I hope so. The people that seat you and they bring you to the front and they put you in the front because I know we take a lot of you off. Why they always got to make me sit where I don't want to sit? I understand that we take you off about that, but we need you to sit to the front so we can make room for people in the back who are coming here for the first time because we are here for those who are not yet here. And if there's one thing that I will not ever tolerate or ever take your side on is when you have a beef with one of our volunteers. You come up to me, you think I'm going to come and you think, you, you, you who come to one service and you get offended by some volunteer who is taking time out of their busy lives to help you have a great experience and you are going to come to me and think that I'm going to go and reprimand the volunteer, you have lost your stinking mind. (laughs) Don't try that nonsense. Some people have tried that. Nobody's tried it in a long time, praise Jesus, but some people have. And, and, and what you have to understand, and I'm just trying to tell you, that people have been putting their heart into this thing because they love you. They do. I've got a news flash for anybody who, ever came, who came to church today and does not feel loved. You have already been loved today. There's people praying for you right now. Got a prayer team. In another room in this building and those people come to another service hear the word and then they pray at another service during the word so that your heart is warmed to receive what God the Father wants to give you for anybody who needs somebody to pray for them I got news for you you already been prayed for this is the church being the church This is a church that says we're here for those who are not yet here. And somebody did that for you. Jesus says, invite as many as you find, verse 9. I love that passage. Get everybody. How big is Waters Church going to become? As big as we can get until Jesus comes. For as long as there's one person in this area who does not know Jesus, we will seek to win more people to Jesus. We're not the only church, okay? And I know this church is not for everybody, but we're going to try to be open to anybody who needs Jesus, because everybody does. Um, There's some Christians that get worried when a church gets too big. I used to have a prayer meeting on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. in our old building, not here. And we stopped the prayer meeting because I realized something, that the people who show up at 6 a.m. prayer meetings are exhausting people. They are. It was praying, praying, praying one time. I said, let's stop and let's pray for people to come to our church. Let's pray that this church becomes a church that anybody can come to and we grow as big as possible and we reach this entire area so that everybody in this area cannot get to the throne of heaven one day and say, I never heard about Jesus. I never want that to happen. I want everybody to know through our church. And one of these stuffy old exhausting Christians said, Pastor. Because that's how they talk, pastor. You don't want the church to get too big, do ya? And I was like, well, how big do you think it should be? Big enough for you? Now I've told you that story before, but what I didn't tell you was the interesting thing about that person. That person was praying and crying tears over her children who didn't want anything to do with Jesus tears every week we get pray for my children tears praying 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 for her children but worried about the church getting too big and i was thinking to myself i should, i wanted to say it but you know i already have a hard time you probably know this saying things i shouldn't say sometimes <laughs> but i wanted to say in that moment maybe if you started loving the people that god loves And go after the people that God is going after. He would go after the people that you love. I just wanted to say that. Uh, And I think about there's a person in our church that has served this church endlessly for years while this person prayed for one of his closest loved ones to come to Jesus and they never did. For years. This person watched baptism after baptism after baptism and person after person after person come to Jesus every single week and serve and give and serve and give and pray for their loved one to come. Never did. And their loved one's getting to the point where it's almost too late now. And three weeks ago, that person gave their life to Jesus Christ. When you make God's priority your priority. God makes your priority his priority. This is why I'm challenging you in this series to jump in with both feet and start doing what has been done for you for someone other than you. That's what the Faith in Action booth is all about outside in our lobby. Stop by there and figure out how you can get involved. There's so many other ways that I've mentioned already. Verse 10, he says, go and find the bad and the good. That's what the church is filled with, people. Bad and good. Any bad people in the house this morning? Bad people never have a hard time raising their hand. That's what I love about (laughs) bad people. Yes! I'm awful! (laughs) Let me tell you about the bad and the good here for a second. It's really all bad. It's just that people tend to think they're good and other people are bad. Simply because they sin differently than them. <laughs> that's all that it really is. You're like, I can't believe that person's in my church. Why? Because they commit the unforgivable sin as you see it. It's only one unforgivable sin, and that's to resist the Holy Spirit resist Jesus. There's just a lot of bad people that God has made good through his son, Jesus. Number two, how did we get here? Because God prepared goodness for us here. God prepared for you to get here, and when he prepa- what he prepared for you is good. I hope you have this experience when you walk out of Waters Church. I really do. I hope that you walk in saying, I am so glad I got there today wasn't gonna I almost slept in I almost was like maybe I just take this week off and then you come and you're like okay that was good like come on even when you get slapped in the face by the Word of God you're like I needed that slap (laughs) And, and here's how Jesus describes the wedding banquet he says I have prepared my dinner how many like dinner When I read this passage this week, I was like, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's a dinner. Oh, you had me at dinner. Hallelujah. And my fattened calf is slaughtered. My oxen are slaughtered. Everything's ready. I love the message translation. Can we put that on the screen? Message translation. Look, everything is on the table. The prime rib is ready for carving. Oh, yeah. God is not a vegetarian. Praise Jesus. Prime rib is of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm going to have some prime rib today just because of that. <laughs> and, and it's like, Jesus has tried to illustrate. It's going to be good. Come, it's going to be good. Come, it's going to be good. When I, when I have prime rib, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's like this. I am very full afterwards. And then I'll go home and I'll turn on the television and I'll watch people eat on TV. And it doesn't matter what they're eating. And I'll be like, how could they possibly be eating right now? You know what I mean? By that? Or you hear somebody else that wants to eat and you're like, no, I can't eat. I'm stuffed. I like buffets. Anybody like buffets? Love buffets. You go into a buffet, you're like, I'm starving, <laughs> I'm starving. I'm star- <laughs> Americans have never starved in their life. I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm, star- oh, I'm starving. And you go out the buffet, you're like, oh, I'm so full, why do I do this to myself? Oh. And, and it's like, what, what happens though is once you're full, you're turned off from every other food item in your peripheral vision. And I thought about this. See, this is why you gotta come to church and jump in and eat. And gorge yourself on the goodness of God. Because if you do that, you'll never starve for the offerings of the devil. It won't ever be tasty to you. It won't ever be like delightful to you because you've already been delighted. It's hard to feed people who are already full. And this is what I'm saying to you. You need to understand that the kingdom of God is about filling you, not emptying you. In Colossians 2.9 he says, for in him the fullness of deity bodily dwells, and you have been given fullness in him. I'm full when I come to church. I'm full spiritually when I preach the word to you. Even when I'm preaching it, I'm getting it back. Because these walls are very reverber They come back to me, and I preach to myself. And then I love it because it's like, this is what Jesus said. Because here's the, here's the deal with some of you, and you need to internalize this. In John chapter 4, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. When you work in the kingdom, you get filled with food. At some point, you got to just stop just coming and hearing and sitting and receiving, and you got to get up out of the chair and start serving the food of the people so that they feel full, and a a miracle happens. You get full. Now, Jesus illustrates this in the Gospels, in all four Gospels. This happens. It's one of the very few stories in all four Gospels. If you remember... He feeds the 5,000. How? By taking the bread and giving it first to the disciples who then take the bread and break it and give it to other people. And then they all eat and they're all full. And guess what's left over? 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And Jesus is like, take them home, guys. The message is if you start giving it, it will come back to you a hundred times over because God always has enough for His people. Yeah. Yeah. Are you taking what God has given you and sending it forward and paying it forward and saying, you need what i got? And yeah, handling the rejections and saying it again and inviting and inviting and inviting and serving and doing and getting up early and doing what we do here at Water Church so that we can still be here for those who are not yet here. Number three, God has made us worthy here. So this guy comes into the wedding banquet. He's got no wedding banquet dress on, no garment on. This is a strange part of the story. For as desperate as the king was to have people come to the feast, he comes into the guests gathering there and he sees that there's one guy who does not have the wedding garment on his body and he is, he is miffed and he binds him and he casts him out. And, and you look at that and you say, that's a very strange twist in the story. But here's what it's saying. In the ancient world, when a king threw a wedding feast for his children, he would provide all the guests with the same garment. So that all the guests would be equal. Poor and rich. Slave free. No matter where they came from. They all came to the wedding garment, the wedding feast the same way. I want to say that again. No matter where they came from, they all came to the wedding feast the same way. And in the kingdom of heaven, that way is Jesus. I don't care if you're a Muslim or an atheist or an agnostic or you don't even know what you are the same Jesus that saves me saves you it's Jesus he is the wedding garment that we clothe ourselves in you see mankind has been trying to put on some clothing since the Garden of Eden what's the first thing that Adam and Eve do after they sin what's the first thing they go shopping (laughs) we naked Let's get ourselves over here to Fig Leaf and Sons, and sew some stuff up here, right? And God is like, Ugh. and He takes a lamb and He slaughters it, and He takes the coat of the lamb lamb, and He wraps. And He's been doing that ever since through the Old Testament, lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb. And when I see the blood, I'll remember your sins no more. And all those lambs pointing to the final lamb that was taken and put on a cross. And Jesus takes our sins upon Himself and God takes the righteousness of Jesus and He takes His sacrificed lamb skin and He wraps it around you. And now you don't have to get dressed up for anybody else's standards anymore because you've already been dressed up in the standard of His righteousness, in the standard of His holiness. And you, just like me, have access into the very presence of God Almighty because He has made you worthy through the blood of His Son, Jesus. And you're not getting to heaven without that garment. I'm just telling you, you're not getting to heaven without that garment. You need the righteousness of Jesus Christ wrapped around you to cover the same stuff that Adam and Eve had. Their shame, their fear, and their guilt because they were naked. Clothe yourself in Christ and stop searching for somebody else to think something well of you. Because if you've got the approval of God, you don't need anybody else's.
0: This is why we are